0: Luke 19 verses 1 through 10, it's uh, page 743 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When he reached the spot, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and once at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times this amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to, the, to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the word of the Lord. Be to
1: God. We are marvelously blessed this morning because we're talking about Zacchaeus, and Ann Carter Hudson was so solid in the first hour that we begged her begged her to be here the second hour how many you of all remember the Zacchaeus song and have sung it before raise your hand okay well she's going to lead us and Keith you're going to kind of back her up there as best you have the capability to do and she's ready for the road. I know she's ready for the road but anyway we're going to sing the Zacchaeus song and I think we're going to sing it one time where she does uh, both stanzas and then we're going to go back and sing it with her right okay very good
2: Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Since was he Lord to the poor, I'll give one half of all my goods. Said he, and if I've cheated a- anyone, four times will I repay. And Jesus said, Salvation has come to you. I have come to seek and save. I have come to seek and save.
1: All right, let's all sing that together. Zacchaeus
2: was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you calm down,
3: for I'm
2: going to your house today.
1: And how do I follow that is the question. Thank you so much, Ann Carter. That was awesome. Even better the second time around. Thank you so much for hanging around for that. All right, so this is the second in a series entitled From Grumbling to Grace. There are three instances in the Gospels where the actual word grumbling occurs And it has to do with people grumbling because they're not wanting certain people to receive grace because they don't think those people are deserving of it. Last week we talked about the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. This morning we talk about Zacchaeus moving from grumbling to grace. And I just want to jump right into it and you can follow with your outline in your handout or just follow it up here. First of all, moving from grumbling to grace involves signing the mission statement. Now what do I mean by that? Well, this is a wonderful story, it's so time-honored, we know it, it's so familiar, but it's interesting because it culminates in Jesus sharing his own mission statement in the very final verse. Uh, You remember back in the 80s, you know, you had uh, organizations and corporations and schools that would have a stated mission statement. They said you need to come up with a clear, concise, simple mission statement. And then not long after that, there were certain books that came out and said, you know what? You should come up with your own personal mission statement. How many of y'all have ever just written out your own personal mission statement for some reason, for some extra? Really, not many? Okay, a few of you have. Okay, big in the 90s anyway. Personal mission statement. Well, Jesus himself declares his own personal mission statement in the very last verse. Let's look at verse 10. This is at the end of his encounter with Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save those who were lost. That really is his mission statement to seek and to save those who are lost now could you honestly say this morning that you buy into that mission statement I hope it is in the affirmative but but can you say that you know it appears that Zacchaeus wound up buying into it immediately I mean he became a changed man he begins to make restitution immediately let's back up to verse 8 Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord and if I've cheated anyone on their taxes I will give them back four times as much now back in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 5 if you um, voluntarily confess that you had stolen from someone for restitution what you did was pay them back the same amount plus 20 percent so if you steal a hundred bucks you confess it and you give them back a hundred twenty dollars well With that math, Zacchaeus said, I stole a hundred bucks, but I'm going to give you back $400, four times as much, much more than what the Old Testament was even saying you had to do based on Old Testament law. He's a changed man. He has bought into this mission statement. Well, are you a changed person because of Jesus? And do you show this to others on a regular basis, showing that you really are signed over onto this mission statement and sold out for it? Or is all this, again, just a cultural thing because you and I live somewhere near Mountain Brook and, and, and you know, we're in the buckle of the Bible belt and this is the politically correct thing to do and it, and it helps us pass through our culture a little more easily? No, are you really signed on for it? You know, would you really be willing to be on mission for him even when it's challenging or awkward or, or uncomfortable or when you risk rejection? You know, would you move out of that cocoon of comfort? You know, how do we move from grumbling about grace towards sinners to sharing the grace of Jesus to sinners? Well, we sign on on the mission statement, and we're going to come back to that a little bit later. But moving from grumbling to grace also involves closing the distance, closing the distance. Through his accepting Zacchaeus, Jesus closed the distance between Zacchaeus and God. Introduced him to God because of the love that he showed. Now, tax collectors were hated back then. You know this. If you notice, though, in verse 2, it says Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was what? Chief tax collector. The NLT says he was a ruler or the ruler among tax collectors. So all the publicans were hated, but he was the most hated publican. Okay, And they served the oppressive Roman regime. But it's interesting, tax collectors did not get paid by the Roman government, they just collected taxes for them. So how did they make their money? Oh, it was basically protection money. It's kind of like what we do today or hear about today or see in movies with mobsters offering protection money. They would go and find people who owed a lot of taxes and who hadn't paid it yet when they should have or they simply can't pay and instead of you know, them having to pay those taxes, they would just take a fee from them not to report them to the Roman regime, right? Be like you getting paid by someone so you won't report them to the IRS. That's basically what's going on here. So it really was like charging protection money, just like mobsters do today. So you can understand where good, upstanding, righteous people wouldn't associate with these folks. I mean, it was a way of life for Zacchaeus to be cut off from people socially and otherwise. He was a pariah in the community. So when Jesus is entering the city, though, what does Zacchaeus do? He he climbs a tree, climbs a tree. And you might think that what he's doing is, well, I don't want to be down there among these people. I, you know, I'd like to watch this, but I don't want to be a part of it. I want to distance myself as I'm used to being at a distance anyway. But, but we've got to ask the question, why would a corrupt government official even be there? Why would he even be, be present for this? He didn't have to be. Was he curious? Was he looking for something? Maybe on some level he was hoping for some significant encounter, which is indeed what he got. But clearly he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to learn something about Jesus so much so that he, as a wealthy citizen of that town, was willing to kind of lower himself and then build himself up by getting up in a tree to offset his shortness. But the cool thing is, the amazing thing here and what caused the grumbling among all the people is that Jesus was so zealous to see Zacchaeus and meet him that he very publicly invited himself to Zacchaeus's home. And this is the most despised person, perhaps, in all of Jericho. And I want you to notice this. In verse 7, it says this, but all the people, now the NLT doesn't use the all. It says, but the people were displeased. Every other translation makes it clear. When it says the people, it means everybody. This is the only place in the Gospels where people grumble and are upset with Jesus, and it makes clear that everybody's mad at him. <laughs> not just the religious leaders, not just the Pharisees, not just the teachers of the law, but the disciples as well, and the general public as well. But all the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Why in the world is Jesus going to this guy's house? So what's Jesus doing? You know what he's doing? He's offering acceptance before repentance. He's offering Zacchaeus the chance to repent after realizing that he is accepted by Jesus. It's this unexpected word of love from Jesus that closed the distance between himself and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was totally not expecting this as someone who is a rejected man an outsider. But Jesus broke that pattern of rejection by reaching out to Zacchaeus, by by bringing the distance a bit inward and close to each other. He reduced that distance. He does the same for us. I mean, that's made clear in Romans 5, 8, that uh, God shows his love for us, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ, what? Showed his acceptance by dying for us, I mean, by his act on the cross, he closed the distance between you and God. How willing are you to close that distance then, especially with the people that are hard to love? That's what he was doing here. That's what he was embodying, incarnating here. The person in that particular context who was the most difficult for people to have anything to do with, that's who Jesus reaches. How willing are you to do that? Reach out to someone who is whom you're too tempted to dislike because of what they look like or how they smell or what they believe or who they voted for or whatever it might be, how willing are you to reduce the distance between yourself and that person that you might be able to reduce the distance between that person and God himself? Or would you just rather be comfortable you know who's that person you can think of, who comes to mind right now, a person at work or at school, at home, in the neighborhood, wherever it might be, whom you could reach out to, but it's so, so difficult? Would you just rather be comfortable? Let me introduce you to somebody uh, who's a friend, and, and a friend of mine named Tal Prince uh, just got back from visiting with uh, him at his church out in Fresno, California. This is a guy named Angelus Wilson. Angelus worked for uh, Sanford for a brief time. I remember the first time I met Angelus because I reached out in, to shake his hand, and on his forearm, it said Raymond Cripps. I was like, okay, this guy's coming here to to help with the ministry here at Sanford, and it said Raymond Cripps. Came to find out he was a member of the Cripps gang in Compton where he grew up in California. Um, He was a part of a gang that he had been a part of violence and shooting, uh, drug running, everything you can think of that gang members do. He was right in the thick of it. Long story short, there was a thin, frail, bespeckled young lady who had rented a house on the outskirts of Compton, and she would cook meals one night a week and, and invite all the gang members to, to come there. And Angelus would go there because it was free food, and oftentimes, he said a lot of the time, especially when I first started going there, I was always stoned, I was always wasted, and I just needed a place to kind of come down, Right? And he said, but there was some point where this woman really began to speak truth to him, even through his drug uh, haze. I mean, he came to realize she's speaking truth. And he started asking her questions about what she believed. And he's a marvelous example of one who came to know Jesus because someone reduced the distance. Someone who was very, very unlikely closed the distance between Angelus and God himself because of her being willing to reach out. And now he's just a fantastic minister of the gospel. He's also uh, the the chaplain of uh, Fresno Pacific University, which is a Christian university there in California. But all because this unlikely person closed the distance between herself and Angelus and therefore Angelus and God, and he was able to meet God. Think of someone who's hard for you to love, are you willing to really live out that mission statement, seeking to save the lost with people who are most challenging for you? The story of Zacchaeus is this wonderful story of moving from, from grumbling to grace because of, of, of signing Jesus' mission statement, you know, to seek and to save the lost. And another way we move from grumbling to grace is to close the distance between ourselves and those people whom we could reach even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's awkward, Close the distance between us and them just as Jesus closed the distance between ourselves and God. And finally, moving from grumbling to grace involves giving up the ground. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, this is a nice story. To me, Zacchaeus is kind of a feel-good story a lot of the time when I read it, but I think there's a hard lesson here that we sometimes miss because really this story involves sacrifice on the part of Jesus. Zacchaeus gains some ground but given the timing of all of this, Jesus loses some ground. Jesus gained eternal life. Excuse me, Zacchaeus gained eternal life, and he was joyous about it. If you look at verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He had great joy, but for Jesus, this act of grace that caused other people to grumble, he really gave up some ground. He sacrificed. This is interesting. Some scholars suggest that it was this encounter that caused Judas and other people to really begin to give up on Jesus in a most ultimate fashion, a most final fashion. They were grumbling about this grace that he was showing to the worst of people, and obviously they were thinking to themselves, you know, well, you can't trust Jesus. Here he is kissing up to this guy that so doesn't deserve the grace here. And it's interesting. What happens right after this encounter? They head to Bethany. They're in Bethany. And what's the very next thing that, that's recorded in Scripture? Well, it's where the woman breaks the flask and pours the perfume over Jesus. And Judas blurts out that that could have been saved for the poor. And he's obviously embittered. Seems to be embittered about something that might have just occurred. Or something triggered that bitterness right then. That negativity. That negativity. And some believe it was because he reached out to this guy, Zacchaeus, who was the hardest to love. And what's interesting is only 18 verses after Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, he rides the donkey in on Palm Sunday, and then a week later, you know what happened. Isn't it interesting, you know? Zacchaeus goes up in a tree to greet Jesus, and at that point, he's an outsider, He's an outcast. And only a number of days later, Jesus finds himself on a different tree, which becomes this amazing sign, not just to Zacchaeus, but to you and to me, that because of the cross, we are no longer outsiders to God, but insiders always. The cross tells Zacchaeus, that he matters to God, and he's telling us that as well. Let's go back to the mission statement for just a minute, to seek and to save the lost. Are you willing to help others who are hardest to love, especially when it means you're going you're to give up some ground? You're helping them gain ground. But in the process, you might give up some ground, give up something, give up your comfort, give up some of your time, give up being liked by certain people, give up some physical energy. Give up some comfort, give up some safety, give up some serenity. I'm going to show you a very brief video in just a second. And Some of you all actually have met this guy. It's a guy named Stanley Wehrmacht. He uh, works at Cape Town with Living Hope with uh, the townships there. Uh, You've heard us talk about him. He's a former drug runner, Uh, uh, was a gang member there uh, who, we've told the story before, where he was about to be executed shot in the back of the head, and he escaped. And as he was running out through this backyard, he fell into a pit, which was supposed to be where he was going to be buried after he was uh, executed. But he got away. Later on, he found Jesus. And what's amazing is he lives in the same place where he was a gang member, but the gang members really respect Stanley. And they see what he's about, and they basically leave him alone. And he will talk to them if he needs to. And And uh, it's just an amazing uh, place in which he finds himself. Not long ago, uh, and Stanley and I keep in touch through WhatsApp, and he asked for prayer recently a number of weeks ago because uh, he and his family were facing eviction from an apartment. And it wasn't that they weren't paying the bills. The landlord apparently was trying to just evict everybody uh, in three buildings, I think it was. And he asked for prayer. And it was cool because the city did step in. And Cape Town said, no, you you can't do that to these people. And Stanley was so overjoyed, he he told me, I'm going to preach for three straight nights on the streets right outside of of these apartments. And I mean, it's in a rough area anyway. And this is a guy who ministers daily in some of the rough townships that some of us have been to uh, in Cape Town. But I remember saying, oh, that's so cool, you're preaching and everything. I said, man, send me just a brief clip of you preaching sometime. And he said, "Well, there's no." And he said, "I don't have any uh, clip from when I was preaching on the streets, but I do have um, I, I do have a clip from when, when I was doing some train ministry." And I was like, "Train ministry?" I thought, "Oh, where he's kind of preaching at, at something that's training people for ministry." Uh, no, it was train ministry, uh, preaching on a train. And uh, I'm just going to show you a little bit of it in just a second. Now I need to set this up because you'll you'll see Stanley preaching, and I mean he's in the car of the train preaching. <laughs> And, and throwing it down, and uh, I asked him what language he's using there, and he's dancing between English and Afrikaans, okay, so he's connecting with as many people from different, you know, pluralistic backgrounds as he can, but then you will hear somebody who was filming it, I think just with the phone, and I said, what is that person speaking, and I said, is that kosa? Well, it's a, it's a mix of kosa, which is another native tongue there, and tongues, and he actually uh, uh, sent me a, um, uh, an audio uh, message, and he said, yes, Pastor Jim, uh, yeah, he was speaking in COSA, but also speaking in tongues because uh, he was intercessing for us while we were sharing the gospel. He said, because there were some Muslims on the train who were praying against us right while I was preaching. Wow, Okay. And so you'll hear him, you'll hear some of what he says where he says it's graced or I, I'm a living testimony and, and we're not here for your money, we just want to pray for you and who will accept Christ and all that. But it's, it's a real cacophony of stuff going on and yet he's willing to do it. Uh, so let's just play the video.
3: Yeah, hallelujah. The next morning, only the next morning, I was sitting with my friends thinking that I was lucky. When we said that I had to smoke with I did one of my shakes, I... Like you do my my I my bro, I my life. I know longer say Yes. I say grace. I It's grace. Hallelujah. It's genade. It's, it's grace, shakate, yes! Shakata. And today I stand here as a living testimony, hallelujah! We don't come here to ask you for money, yes! We don't want money we see here! We do pay get paid 300 grand only to get your last level pay hey. We don't ask you for money, yes! We want to pay for you for free, yes! I. Who's going to be the for you. we don't want your I see not hand. I don't want
1: here's a fellow who lives in what we would call a slum who ministers daily in a place much poorer than where he lives in these in and among these shacks Struggles with poverty every day, works as best he can to pay the bills, raising a wonderful family in a place so challenging, and yet willing to get on a train with people praying against him and just throwing the gospel out there. How radical, how uncomfortable, how unsophisticated, how unmountainbrook. How unintellectual. How awkward. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we cannot help but ask how signed on we are to this mission. Willing to do, probably in our own lifetimes, nothing as Daring as what Stanley's doing there, but willing, hopefully, uh, to stand out in certain ways and to step out and to close the distance between ourselves and others who need to hear your good news. May we be willing to give up a little bit of ground ourselves. Yes, if it involves sacrifice of some kind, just as your son Jesus ultimately sacrificed it all for us. Can we, O God, can we do the same? As we enter into this beloved meal, O God, may we be reminded that by the breaking of your body and the shedding of your blood, we were brought so close to you that you absolutely closed the distance between ourselves and the Heavenly Father. Can we not do a bit more? So may we contemplate what it means to be a part of your mission by taking of the bread and taking of the cup In a sense, may we be signing on once again today and in the days to come. We pray these things in your name. Amen.